Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Now, in the previous program, I was talking about the importance of recognizing the existence of God and that he has provided enough evidence in the world that he has created to show us that he does exist. Now, some people require a lot of evidence. Some people don't require a lot of evidence. Regardless of the amount of evidence that a person feels that they need in order to show them that there is a God, regardless of the amount, I believe that if a person really wants to know, if they want to be convinced in their own minds, if they want to see that there is a God, they can devote their lives, if necessary, to searching for enough evidence to convince them. And I do believe that eventually they will find enough evidence. Of course, there are some wonderful organizations, some wonderful ministries that have devoted a lot of time and effort to compile a lot of information to compile a lot of evidences to show the existence of God, and so I'm not going to bother trying to duplicate their work in this program. I only want to say that it's important for a person to pursue this. I really believe it's very important. It's easy for an individual to just say, I don't believe that there's a God. How can we prove that there's a God? Can you prove to me that there's a God? When people have that kind of an attitude, it's only because they are unwilling to search for the evidence. They don't want to search for the evidence, and the reason why is because they don't really want to know the answer to that question. They don't really want to know that there is a God. I have found a lot of people who really don't care. They just don't care, or some who suggest that they do care. They don't care enough to take time out of their lives to really find out the answers to these questions, that in many cases people are just plain lazy. They're so lazy that they won't take time out of their busy lives to go and find out if there is enough evidence to search for the evidence. If this is an important issue, if this is a very important issue, and I personally believe that an eternal question, an eternal matter and the concern with regards to the existence, the presence, and the activity, and the participation of a God, I personally believe that that's worth the effort, but there are many people who don't really share in that belief. So there is enough evidence not to provide for a proof. I don't believe that our God is allowing us to have a proof, because I don't think that he wants us to turn to him because of a proof. 
I believe he wants us to turn to him because we want to know him, and if he provides enough information to construct a proof, then people would have to turn to him, or they would be motivated to turn to him because of the proof, not because they truly want to know him as a person. It's my opinion that the reason why we cannot construct a proof adequately is because he doesn't want us to, and I believe that that is the reason why he does not want us to do so. So continuing in Romans chapter 1, in the context of evidence and the importance of understanding that there is no excuse, there is no excuse that you will be able to present before him, and this is described in verse 20, so that they are without excuse. And in a previous program, I mentioned the importance of this, and that was to say that while you may not feel that there is enough evidence for some reason, you may not believe that there is enough evidence to show that he is in existence, to show that he is, and that this is something that you need to be aware of and you need to be concerned about, that this is your concern, that this is an issue that you need to deal with. While you may not believe there is enough evidence for whatever reason, he believes that there is enough evidence. And I would like to emphasize that point in this program, that he believes, I really believe that God believes, He has shown that he has provided enough evidence and he is convinced, I believe he is fully convinced, in his own mind at least, that he has provided enough evidence. So when you see him, and you will one day, you will see your God for who he is. He's not showing you the fullness of who he is right now because he wants you to come to him on certain terms. But when you finally pass from this life into the next, you will be confronted with his reality in a new way. And that confrontation will be on the basis of him looking at you and you looking at him. And he will see you in the context of the fact that he has provided you with enough evidence already to show you that he exists. And you may want to argue with him about this matter. But at this point, it's not going to matter anymore. At this point, this matter, this issue, is going to be completely put to rest because you will see him for who he is and you will bend your knee before your king. He is your king. Whether you acknowledge him as king or not, that is the way things are and you will soon be confronted with that. And when he sees you, he will see you in this context, in the context of the fact that he has provided enough evidence in his mind It is his opinion, it is his belief, and at that point, that is all that's going to matter. How you feel about his existence will no longer have any importance of any kind whatsoever. At that point, if he executes judgment against you because you have rejected him, then he can do that, and there is nothing that you're going to be able to do in response. And so I would prefer, I personally would prefer that you consider these issues in advance because he has allowed you a period of time to wrestle with this subject, but that time is running short. The day will come when he will not allow you to enjoy this world anymore that he has created. He is allowing you the freedom to do so now, but you won't be here forever. Your life will eventually end, and when that day comes, you will be confronted with these issues, and so I would prefer that you confront these issues right now because it definitely is in your interest to do so. Now, I spoke about highly educated people in the previous program, people who I've worked with. I've worked with many world-renowned scientists who have explored 
the world, who have looked at the evidences that are available, but even in the midst of the evidences that they have seen, that they have been confronted with, that they have struggled with, they still deny, not all, but many, still deny the existence of God. In verse 21, the Apostle Paul said, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. These were people who were confronted with the issues, They saw the overwhelming evidence and they still refused. But just because they refused did not mean that they did not acknowledge that there is a God. I don't want to give that impression. They did acknowledge that there had to be. That was their confrontation. That was their evidence. That was their opportunity to have a knowledge of him. But they still did not honor him for who he is. And they did not give thanks to him for what he has done. They refused to do that. It was an official rejection in the presence of the facts, in the presence of the evidences, in the presence of the reality. They just simply decided to deny his existence and not give thanks to him and not acknowledge him at all. And they became futile in their speculations. Futile in the sense that I have seen this time and time again. People have attempted to come to conclusions, to find conclusions, to derive conclusions, to somehow reconstruct the evidence or deny some of the evidence in order to come to conclusions, speculations about the way things are, about the way things function. But in doing so, they became futile. They were futile because they were not recognizing all of the evidence. They had to deny some of it. They had to deny it because in many cases their funding required them to. They were given funding to prove the existence of evolution, not the existence of a deity, not the existence of a creator. And so in many cases they had to do that. But the reality is is that they were futile. They were pursuing something and they intentionally, they intentionally denied what was shown to them And they went down a path that would then be a dead end. That's the futility of it. That they are now going down paths, they are now going in directions that will lead to a dead end, that will lead to a point where they will not be able to go further and their conclusions will be inadequate. That is the futility that many people face. And whether they do this in a scientific manner or they do this in their own minds, just in the simplicity of the lives that many people live, regardless of the scope or the magnitude of how people respond in this way, it still leads to dead ends. It still leads to a dead life. It leads to a point of living in an existence that is futile, that has no meaning, that has no purpose. And so what do people do with this? How do they live? How do they live with themselves in this kind of a condition? Well, like I said, with many of the people who I work with, they live with the hope and expectation that one day more information would be provided so that they could have a rational conclusion that would resolve the evidences that they saw, a rational conclusion that would not include the living God. Others, they just simply put it all aside and go play their video games or play with their phones or consider the next movie or go and find some people to go hang out with and talk about futile, unimportant things. People resolve these issues in their own lives in different ways. 
But what I would like to focus on in this program is the fact that there are many people who pursue this who are very intelligent individuals. And when they do and they come to these futile conclusions, they're going to wrestle with these issues in deeper ways. They're going to wrestle with them in their own hearts. And their foolish heart will be darkened in the midst of wrestling with this. It's going to be darkened. They're going to have to suppress. They're going to have to ignore. They're going to have to somehow close their hearts in a way that the light cannot shine in. And in that way, their hearts become darkened even more. And this is total foolishness. It's absolute foolishness. But this is how people end up living. Again, in the second half of verse 21, Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it says, But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Well, certainly, they may suggest that they are wise. They may suggest that they are intelligent. And they may be able to present a pretty good case, a pretty good argument to show that maybe they're right. But that doesn't mean that they are. They may be able to convince some people, but not everyone. They may be able to convince most of the people, but there will always be some who know better. And those who know better are those who acknowledge the existence of the Creator. Those who know Him for who He is and see Him for who He is. They will always rest in the wisdom of the living God. The wisdom who has created all things. And that is a person who I want to be. I want to rest in his wisdom. I want to trust in his wisdom. Because if he is, then there is no other wisdom that can compare. And this does not require a high degree of education. This does not require any degree of intellect. This only requires me to trust in him and to believe in him and to live in thankfulness which is what I truly live for. I live to be thankful for my God and for what he has done and for who he is. But others, they profess to be wise, and they may be able to impress some people, but they certainly don't impress me. I've spent many years with people like this who are very wise as far as the world is concerned, who are very intelligent as far as the world is concerned. But you know what? Of these people who I have known, none of them have really impressed me not in the context of wisdom. They may have a lot of information. They may have a lot of education. They may be very smart. They may be very capable. But when it comes to truly applying the things that our God has revealed, the application of the truth is where wisdom is truly manifested. But when they deny the truth, they have no opportunity to apply it. And when they have no opportunity to apply it, their wisdom is nothing more than fantasy. They have stepped aside from the true wisdom that our God has provided humanity. We must believe in Him. We must turn to Him and trust in Him. Because when we do not, from His perspective, you're nothing but a fool. From His perspective, from God's perspective, these people are foolish. That's why He says, professing to be wise, they became fools. Because they were fools. They're foolish in this regard. It is foolish to deny reality. In verse 23, he said, And exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God 
for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds, and of four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. Now this can be read in various ways. It corresponds very well with verse 25. In verse 25 it says, For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 23 and 25 go together very well, and I'd like to spend the rest of this program talking about these two verses. There's two different ways of approaching this. The first way is from an intellectual standpoint, and the second way is from a religious standpoint. And the fact of the matter is, is that they are actually the same. When you really get down to the root issues of the condition of a person's heart, both the scientific approach and the religious approach concerning this are actually the same. But it's difficult to see that without really examining this very closely. And so the first thing I'm going to do is consider the scientific approach in the sense that people exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. Let me talk about that from a scientific point of view first. When looking at it from a scientific point of view, they exchange the glory of God in the sense that they do not acknowledge the glory of God and instead focus on the glory of the creation. And people begin to get involved with the sciences. They get involved with a study of the earth and the things that are within the earth. And they do so because they see the glory of it. They see the glory of what is manifested. And people can live their lives enjoying the creation. It can be a very exciting thing to go out and explore the things in the creation. Of course, they have a limit that they can pursue, and that limit is that you have to stop at the divine revelation. But even though you stop at the divine revelation, before you get there, you can suggest that there is a glory in the creation, and people devote their lives to this in the context of having purpose in pursuing this. They pursue an examination of the creation, of the creature. They do this in order to have purpose in their life in order to have meaning in their life, that their value as an individual is defined by their pursuit of these things and by being able to tell others about these things to give the impression that they're more impressive than other people, I suppose. People can esteem a sense of purpose and meaning by pursuing a knowledge and understanding of the creation outside of the divine revelation that they could experience through it. And so it is in the depths of an individual's heart that they exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. Well, the form of it in this scientific approach, in this scientific context, the form of it is to examine the creation and to look at the creation and say that that is where glory is, that that is where our meaning can be found, that that is where our purpose is can be discovered, is within the creation that we are a part of. From a scientific point of view, this is how many people approach this and how they make this exchange, the exchange of the revelation of our God for the revelation of the creation. And this is very unfortunate. Unfortunately, there is a lot at our disposal as well that people can spend their entire lives studying the creation and continually move from one aspect of it to another and never have to stop and pause and say that they have come to an end 
so that they have to turn to the divine creator himself. There are many things that can keep people distracted and moving from one scientific aspect to another and never come to the reality that there is a limit that is there and that our God is the one who we must identify and acknowledge in order to see the limitless nature of who he is and his glory and his creation in that context. Now, from a religious point of view, that is something that is better described in verse 25, Romans chapter 1, verse 25, where they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. When using this word worship and serving, people don't normally use these words from a scientific point of view. But from a religious point of view, worship and serving the creature is very common. Now, this is normally manifested or it is expressed when people set up idols. They set up idols, which are representations of the creature, representations of what we have here on this earth, in this world. What we have here is we have many Things. We have plants and trees and we have animals and we have rocks and we have lots of stuff and people will construct idols as representations of the creation and people worship and serve those in different ways. There is a great variety of methodologies and religions and philosophies and beliefs that people apply when it comes to idolatry. Let me describe two. The first one is, is that people will worship the creation or idols, representations of the creation, with hope that there will be some spiritual intervention of some kind that will cause favor to occur on their behalf towards them for their worship and service of these items that are representations of the creation. People are normally looking for rain, or they're looking for better harvests, or they're looking for metals or other things that can come from the earth that can bless their lives. And so they're worshiping in a religious context with the hope that they will be able to get something in return. But there are other attitudes that people have when it comes to worship. For example, in some religions, people will worship animals because they believe that animals have reached a higher plane of existence, that they have reached a higher level of life, because if you notice animals, they don't seem to struggle with some of the same issues that we do. They don't seem to struggle with issues like, what is their purpose in life? How can they find meaning and understanding in the world that they are a part of? Do they really struggle with the issues of being loved and accepted? Are those issues that they really struggle with? There are many people who see that animals don't really struggle with those things, and so they assume that they have reached a higher level of existence. Some beliefs concerning reincarnation are based on this philosophy, are based on this perspective that animals have overcome the struggles that we are still struggling with, and so they are a higher order of being, and people will worship them, or they will serve them because they believe and hope that they will one day become like them so that they can be set free from the struggles that are taking place deep down inside in their very being. The struggles for love, acceptance, meaning, and purpose. Now, what we understand in the scriptures is that our God created humanity in such a way that humanity would struggle with these things and that animals would not struggle with these things. That this is just part of the creative design of our God, that these animals have not reached 
some higher level of evolutionary existence or some level of reincarnation, that that is not the truth. That the truth of the matter is, is that our God created us to struggle with these issues so that we would turn to him to resolve these issues in our hearts. Now, as I said earlier, people worship and serve the creation in different ways, but the root issues are still the same. From a scientific point of view, people are looking for meaning and purpose, and they are also looking for acceptance from other people, from the apparent wisdom and knowledge that they acquire. And some of them believe that people will love them as well, but at the very least, accept them. Accept them and acknowledge them as being people who are smarter, wiser, have a higher level of wisdom than other people do. People are motivated because of the emptiness that is within them and they pursue their creation in this context and that is one way to worship and serve it. But from a religious point of view, people still worship and serve it and they do so in a different way. But even though they do so with idols in the context of idolatry and ritual, even though they do it in that way, the root reasons, the root causes that drive an individual to do so is the same as the root causes that drive the scientist to do so. These root causes have to do with the need for love and acceptance for meaning and purpose in life. And so that is what they share in common, and yet the manifestations are often divided between the secular and the religious, or the scientific and the religious. The manifestations are normally divided, but the root causes are actually the same. And that's what I wanted to tell you about, is that people struggle with these issues because they're empty inside. And our God has created us to be empty inside, so that we would never be satisfied by anything that his creation has, so that we would always be reminded, and we would always be directed towards his reality, and that he will do this, and he will never fail to do this. He will continually do this while we are still here on this earth. He will do this until the last day in people's lives to draw them to him because that's what he wants. He wants people to come to him. He wants people to know him. That's why he created you. That is your purpose here. And he is providing you a lifetime, a lifetime and an opportunity within that lifetime to do that. And so take advantage of the opportunity that is presented before you and understand that this is not just a matter of learning about your God and discovering who he is so that you can experience him in heaven when you die, but that you have a life here, a life here and now. And in this life, in the sufferings in this life and in the successes and in the pleasures that we can experience through enjoying the world that he has created, we can grow to know him in very important and deep ways. Do not wait any longer. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. 
that is livinggodministries.net. Thank you,